what a party. But look at the walls, John. So many stains. Oh, yeah, but... You know what this means. Val, we... Time to repaint. Val. What, John? We used Valspar Reserve, remember? Mm-hmm. It's super stain-resistant and scrubbable. See? The walls are perfect. Oh, yeah. But if you still want to repaint... Yay! Valspar Reserve Paint and Primer with Hydrochroma Technology. Now the colors you love stay the colors you love. Exclusively at Lowe's. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Grueling Truths Tuesday Night Boxing Show. I'm your host, as always, Mike Goodpaster, and I would like to welcome in my co-host, Joe Rodriguez. Hey, Mike, great to be here. Uh, we've, we've got a great show tonight. I know the man that's here was I mean, me and Joe, one of our favorite fighters, um, member of the International Boxing Hall of Fame, was a WBC welterweight champion of the world from 1976 to 1979. Help me welcome to the grueling truth, boxing legend Carlos Palomino. Hey, well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's great being with you guys. Hey, it's great having you. Um, we'll just start from the beginning. Um, okay. Where were you born and raised? I think I read that you were born in Mexico, moved to the United States when you were eight. Just tell us what it was like growing up. Well, I, I, uh, we actually moved to the United States when I was 10 years old in 1960 um, and uh, moved into Santa Ana, the uh, little barrio in Santa Ana in Orange County. Uh, stayed there for about a, a year and a half. So my dad was settled and had a job and um, got our own place in the city of Westminster. So that's where I grew up. We went to uh, Warner Junior High School in Westminster and to Westminster High School. So um, yeah, it was you know it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy because I, I'm one of twelve kids, and uh, my father expected um, uh, us you know to work from day one. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> didn't have much of a, a social life as a kid in, in, in Warner High School or or high school because um, you know I worked part time right after high school and I worked on the weekends uh, in a in a restaurant as a dishwasher, so all four years of high school. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy, but uh, you had some friends that you hung out around on the weekends. Sigler uh, Park and Westminster would play, pick up you know football, pick up softball games, pick up basketball. You know, just a normal you know teenage kind of uh, years and hanging out with friends. Yeah, that chance that got me uh, thinking. Of, uh, you mentioned that you played other sports. So uh, as you were playing other sports, uh, what about boxing caught your attention? And around what age did you start getting? Oh well, no, that that, that uh, I started boxing at the age of 21 uh, when I wow. got drafted. When I got drafted, I had to go into the army. Um, but but you know, my father was a huge boxing fan, and, and he always had boxing gloves around the house and. When there was any disputes, you know, with me, older brother, younger brothers, we had to sell them with the boxing gloves. And uh, you know, he he wasn't a fighter, but he loved watching boxing. And you know, we, we grew up watching it when we had a TV. <laughs> and uh, 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 and there was always gloves around the house. So I said, you know, he would sometimes on the weekends he'd call over the neighborhood and the neighborhood kids and 
in Mexico, we did in Mexico, especially more, uh, more of that. You know, we he he we'd have Rob Robin tournaments in the backyard. You know, <laughs> and the winner would get a soda. You know, so. Um, but you know, once we come to, came to the United States, I started playing baseball. That was my my love. I wanted to play, I wanted to play baseball more than anything. But my dad didn't let me play high school ball because you know I needed to work. So um, when I got drafted, I I, I ended up uh, you know joining a uh, joining a, a boxing a boxing gym just to get in shape for basic training. And I found out. Uh, um, that you could box in the army. Uh, one of the coaches there told me you could box in the army, and so he started working with me. I had maybe a two months of training, of uh, actual boxing training with this coach who became my 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 trainer for my whole career, Noy Cruz. Um, then I then I went and did my basic training at Fort Ord, and uh, after that I um, they sent me to Fort Hood in Texas, and and uh, I got there just in time for the Fort Hood boxing championships, and I. I entered that tournament and I won it. Then they they sent me to uh, the fourth U.S. Army Championships, uh, and I won that. And then the, then they sent me to the All Army Tournament, and I and I won that. So as soon as I won the All Army Championships, I just stayed with the Army boxing team for my duration of my time in the Army. Um, the one thing I remember is I'm not old enough to remember your. I was like four or five years old when you were an amateur, but just like you, I used to sit around, watch the boxing with my dad. We put the gloves on, we'd go downstairs and you know we spar right. and stuff. But I remember him telling me I think it was before the second Armando Muniz fight, which was on ABC. Him telling me yeah. I'm from Indiana, like I said, he saw an uh-huh. amateur fight between you and Norman Goins. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? He no, thought, was I'm he not there? kidding. Was uh, he at the fight? Was he at the fight? He was at the fight. It was in Indianapolis, I believe, wasn't it? No, no, it was. That was in the uh, Pan American Trials, uh, 1971 Pan Am Trials in Fort Bragg, uh, yeah, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My, my dad actually had was in the military and had a friend. His best friend, my middle name is Alan, which I don't like to tell people because I don't like the name that much. But he actually lived in North Carolina, and I know he'd saw the fight, and I think he said that Goins was from Indiana, and he said it was one of the yeah. best amateur fights he ever saw. Oh, my God. It was it was amazing because Norman Goins was just a phenomenal puncher. At, uh, uh, you know, uh, the fight was, you know, as an amateur, I fought at 139. Uh, uh, it was a light welterweight, uh, welter so... Um, he was just an amazing puncher at, at that weight, and he had me down three times in that fight. Once every once every round, first, second, third round, I got dropped, but I kept getting up and I kept you know winning the rounds on punches, you know, as an amateur. Because if that had been a pro fight, they might have been stopped in the second round, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I, I kept getting up and just scoring more points, so I ended up winning the fight. Um, and you, you had a. a- What's Real quick, quick Joe, I just wanted to throw one more thing in, because I'm pretty sure when you won the amateurs, didn't you beat Sugar Ray Seals, who went on to fight the 72 Olympics? Yes, I did, uh, in Las Vegas, for the National uh, uh, national AAU Championship, I, uh, I beat him in the final, yeah. You know, you, you, you mentioned that you didn't really start fighting until you were 21 years old, and you had a, a pretty short amateur career, didn't you, around 35 fights or so? Yeah, thirty-five fights. Yeah, I was thirty-two and three as an amateur. Yeah, uh, all all of them in the army. So, uh, 
but I won, you know, I won the national championship, so uh, I wasn't really thinking about being, uh, you know, I didn't start with the idea that I was going to turn pro, but once I won the national championship in Las Vegas, I had a lot of people come up to me and, and talk to me about turning pro and, you know, wanted to manage me, and that's when I started thinking maybe I had a shot at a, at a professional career, maybe doing something special. So I got, I, I got I out of the Army. Yeah, I, I find it pretty amazing that you had such a short uh, amateur career, and the reason why is because you were a very, you were a complete fighter, uh, you were very polished. I mean, you 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 fought like someone who started fighting at 12 years old or something like that. You, I mean, you 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 could hit with both hands. You were you were really very well schooled. You didn't throw roundhouse punches. You were very short and compact. Really, like uh, uh, what's what's the right term, Mike? That when someone is technically sound, I guess you were very technically sound. That's it. So what do you know that to? Would it, was it Cruz your your trainer who you give yeah, credit yeah. to for that? Well, you know, uh, it was you know Noe Cruz, and then uh, my manager became Jackie McCoy, who was also a former fighter, number eight in the world as a bantamweight, and so they worked together with me. And and you know when I was as an amateur in the army, I I learned the Olympic style of boxing, and I I had no punching power. I just threw a lot of punches, and uh, uh, I, I didn't stop anybody in, in the in the amateurs. Out of thirty thirty three wins. I just, you know, I threw a lot of punches. I, I, I threw punches from the from bell to bell. So when I got out of the army and they and Noy saw saw what happened, what had happened to me as an amateur, he told me, you know, you're gonna get killed fighting as a pro like that. You know, so I was straight up and down, just threw punches. And so we spent we spent hours in the gym, uh, settling down and you know, learning to turn you know turn my punches. Sit down on my punches, uh, defense, and we just spent I just spent hours with him in the gym, uh, working on on technique and defense, you know, and, and everything else that, that goes with boxing. Okay, one of the most impressive things that I found on you, which I mean, I heard 1979 Howard Cosell talk about how you were. Kind of, did you start going to college at the same time you turned pro when you got out of the military? Yes, I did. You know, that was that was my goal. I wanted to. I, I told. I had my first pro fight in September of 1972, and I attended my first class, <laughs> I think, the following week uh, after my first fight uh, at Orange Coast College, junior college, and from there I transferred to Long Beach. Yeah, I started at the same time. Uh, what about the um, – hold on, you caught me unawares here. Forgive me. Um mm -hmm. So that's around the time you decided to go pro, and uh, did you feel you were ready? Was it purely uh, you thought you could make a few bucks? You thought you could uh, maybe go well, far? No, what was no, your well, what led to your decision? Well, no. well you know, I, I uh, first of all, I went to Noy, to Noy Cruz and told him I needed to, uh, you know, I told him I wanted to turn pro and I wanted him to train me. But, he, you know, he told me he had never, he had never trained a, um, a professional fighter before, and he really didn't understand or, or know what to do about uh, uh, about a pro, you know. So you know. So I said, well, so what do we do? You know. So he said, well, the, the the top manager right now on the West Coast is a guy named Jack McCoy. So we got a hold of Jackie and we had lunch with him and and uh, we said, you know, I'd like we'd like you to manage with me. And he said, well, what's your story? I said, you know, I'm a national AU champion. I'm you know, all army champion. I'm all service champion. He said, that's amateurs. I don't care about that. He goes. So at that time he was managing uh, lightweight champion of the world, Armando uh, Ramos, and Armando Ramos was getting ready to defend his title uh, in the Coliseum in L.A. And so he told me, "Come to camp. I want to, I want to watch you spar Armando, and then I'll, you know I'll make a decision." So I went to camp. I spent two, three weeks 
sparring with Armando Ramos as uh, as he's getting ready to defend his title and uh, you know impressed Jackie enough that he that he wanted to sign me and he signed a contract and he managed my career. All right, um, your professional debut took place at the old Olympic Auditorium, which was like the West Coast version of Madison Square Garden on the East Coast. Um, I think they had Thursday night fights at the time. Talk a little yeah. bit about what you remember about your pro debut and what it was like on fight night at the Olympic Auditorium. Uh, fight night was amazing because it was, you know, it was very knowledgeable fight fans and mostly Mexican fight fans, Mexican America and Mexicans on the other side, you know, who got really rowdy when decisions didn't go the way they thought they should go, you know. And you know, I was, I, and and that night, uh, my first pro fight that night, I was what they call the crowd chaser. I was the last fight of the night, and I remember coming out uh, of the dressing room, walking the aisle, and you know, the towards the ring, and and people leaving, you know, <laughs> people leaving the arena, and uh, I, I get in the ring, and I was supposed to fight a six round fight, and the referee came over, and he goes, hey. It's it's late. We're gonna make this a four rounder. He goes, knock this guy out. Let's get out of here. So, and and I remember just looking at the looking at being in the ring, and and just it was a handful of people left. You know, everybody left was leaving. The main event was over, uh, and so you know, it was a quick fight. It was a four rounder. You know, I, I won a decision, and I, you know, I was still learning. I'm you know, still I was still making mis- the kind of mistakes you make as an amateur. You know, you're. Just straight up and down, you, you, you know. But I, I just threw, you know, threw so many punches that, uh, you know, I ended up winning a decision. And, and you know, I was, I was still, like I said, working with my trainer on, on selling down and learning to, uh, to turn on my punches and learning technique. And, and uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a crazy night. That my, my father and my uncles and. My brothers, I think, were the only ones left in the arena when I when I got done with that four rounder. Well, your your career is moving along. You got off to a decent start, but then you uh, suffered your uh, your first loss to uh, Andy Price in a very close decision. Uh, what did you learn from that loss, and uh, did you make what changes did you make after that fight to help yeah. you get to the next level? Well, yes, I think that that fight was very was a very important fight in my career because it it, uh, it made me take a step back and look at what I, at what I was doing and realize that I had to that I had to make some changes. And one of those was that I was training at a gym in Westminster that we had opened so that, so that I could have a gym to train in. And we we had a few amateurs that were uh, that were in the gym, uh, hardly any pros except for myself. So I was sparring with you know young amateurs, you know. So I really couldn't uh, let go. I couldn't explode. I couldn't really work hard on these kids. I think the oldest one was about 18 years old at the time. I was 23, right uh, out of the army. And so uh, Jackie McCoy said, you know, you have to change gyms. You have to go find a gym where you can get better sparring, so you can figure out, you know, where we're gonna go. So I ended up going to a gym in South Central LA. They used to call it the Cradle of Champions. Because there was uh, mostly champions training at that gym. In fact, that's where Mondo Ramos trained. Lightweight champion of the world. Wolf Gabriel Gonzalez was also lightweight champion of the world. Irish Frankie Crawford. Ken Norton trained there. So I started going there, and, and just you know, every, every day in the gym was a war. You know, in the sparring sessions, because everybody wanted to get the, the best of you. And, and that made that just changed my my career, and it basically changed my life because I just it took me to the next level. 
Uh, otherwise, I would have got killed in that gym. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. You went to London in 1976 to fight John Stracy for the welterweight title. Between the Andy Price fight and the title fight, what was the big fight to put you over the hump to get you to shot at the title? Well, actually, there was two fights. You know, uh, Zobek Barajas uh, was a guy that from Mexicali that I fought who had who had fought uh, Billy Backus for the welterweight title uh, and lost a very close decision. And then uh, I think he was, like, number seven or number eight, and, uh, you know, they they got me, the, my manager got me the fight. He said, you know, this is like, this is uh, what you have to go if you're going to, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to, you know, be in position to win a world title, you have to beat guys like this, you know. So we took the fight. Um, it was a just a, knockdown, drag-out, 10-round war, and it was a draw. Because um, I, I fought the wrong fight. You know, I, you know he he made a lot of comments prior to the fight. He he was trash-talking, which, you know, you didn't see anybody do back, back in those days. They were in the mid-'70s, you know. And so, he, you know, so he he upset me, and I, I tried to fight him. I actually fought his fight in, in the inside, trying to go. I went to war with him. I was trying to knock him out, and... And ended up fighting to a draw, and then we signed for a rematch. And in the rematch, I stopped him in the ninth round. And then after that, uh, you know, the fight with uh, with Hedgeman Lewis was the actual fight that put me over the top and got me the title fight. Um, Hedgeman Lewis at the time had you know over forty, fifty professional fights. I, I, I was coming in with about eighteen fights under my belt in that fight against him. Nineteen fights, I think. And uh, we fought to, uh, to a draw, you know. And uh, so we signed to fight a rematch. And uh, a couple of weeks before that, the, the rematch, he got an offer to fight John Stracy in London. So they called uh, my promoter, Ike Needham, who was a woman, and, and said we need, a, we need to get uh, Hedgeman Lewis released from his contract so he can fight John, John Stracy. And she said no. And you know, and, and she called my manager and said, I got a plan." And she said, "He said, okay, what is it?" She said, "Well, we're going to demand a, uh, um, the only the only way we let him out of the contract is if he is, if Carlos is guaranteed a title fight against the winner." So that's what actually happened. You know, she 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 played hardball, and uh, she the the promoter in, in London agreed that that I would get a, a title fight against the winner. Uh, and I got paid two thousand dollars, which at that time was was a lot of money. <laughs> and, and then you know, uh, and then they, and then the Hedgeman Lewis went to London and, and got stopped, you know. And so then you know, I ended up getting the opportunity to go to London and fight John Stracy for the welterweight title. So speaking of that fight, finally seventy six, you get your shot. Uh, what was it like to go to into uh, enemy territory, a foreign country, and take the title from their their hometown guy? You know, I, I, for me, it, it was. I never saw it that way. It was like it just. Uh, I was so focused in the, on the fight that it, to me, it was just another ring. You know, uh, I mean, I remember walking out into into the arena uh, the night of the fight, and and uh, you know, we were at Wembley Stadium. I don't know how many. I remember how many people were in there. You know, maybe twenty, thirty thousand, and and they were waving huge, you know, British flags. They called Union Jacks and. And screaming, you know, just straight, you know, and I was, you know, it was just, it was just like a song all through the arena, you know, and uh, but I, I, you know, I, it was not, 
I didn't panic. It was just like I was so 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 uh, calm walking into the ring because uh, I had done the work. I was very very confident that I thought I could beat him uh, from watching him fight uh, Hedron Lewis. You know, we we devised a plan in the gym, and my trainer Noy Cruz and Jackie McCoy, you know, we uh, and we implemented that plan, and and, and you know, I, and that that fight started, and it, uh, it went exactly what we thought it was going to go. And the plan was to work the body, stay to the body, you know, uh, from round one, uh, um, and work and and work the head, and just go up and down, and and keep you know switch, switching the offense. Making sure he, you know, that he had different looks coming at him, so he didn't know what, you know what was coming next. And and those body shots did him in. Well, um, I just want to remind everybody you're listening to Grueling Truth. We've got former WBC World Welterweight Champion Carlos Palomino on. Um, Carlos, my next question is: One of the greatest fights I ever saw was your first battle with Armando Muniz. What are some of your recollections of that night? Um, I mean, like I said, it was an amazing fight. The other yeah. thing I remember about that fight is I think it was the first world championship fight where both boxers were college graduates. Yeah, that's correct. You know, uh, didn't get a lot of play uh, back then, you know, but uh, over the years people have come to realize that, you know, that was an important time in history, two college graduates and uh, fighting for a world title. And and uh, what I remember the most is that you know um, I knew Armando uh, from way before you know we we were friends and actually when I was an amateur um, in the army I got a couple of leaves where I came home and I I go back to the gym where where I learned and, and where I started you know and and Armando Muniz was training there so I I'd spar with him a few times and you know he just beat the crap out of me every time I got in the ring with him. He was already a young pro. He was, I think, 10, 11, and 0. And, you know, I was still in, in the Army as an amateur. And uh, so, uh, you know, I think that when uh, when we signed for that fight, that's he remembered that. And uh, he, he was very confident he was going to beat me. I heard through, you know, through the grapevine that he was saying it's going to be easy, you know. And, uh, but, you know, he forgot that I, that was a long time ago and I improved. And, and, uh, you know, I, he he won you know in that fight because I was fighting the wrong fight again. I was trying to fight him inside, and uh, you know he was just a hard guy. You know, a guy that stayed in your chest every second of every minute of every round. Uh, and he you know he had a shorter arm, so he was quicker to with his shots inside, and and he was beating me. I mean, he won, I think he won the first seven rounds, and, and uh, my my manager told me in one of the, one of those rounds, I went back to the corner, and he said, "You got to start." You gotta, you know, pick it up and start to make a move. Otherwise, you're gonna lose. And and that's when I, I, and he told me you gotta, you gotta start boxing this guy. You know, step around him. You know, don't stay in front of him. And that's what I did. I just started boxing. I started using my range. I, you know, I, uh, I just never stayed in front of him uh, for very long. And I was started making my comeback. And by the 14th round, when I went back to the corner, he said the fight is even. And whoever wins the last round is the new champion, and so I went out and just uh, decided, you know, I was I wasn't going to lose my title, my first title defense, and, and ended up stopping him with I don't know, fifteen, twenty seconds left in the round, in the fifteenth. 
Yeah, in fact, I just watched that footage today again just to refresh my memory, and uh, yeah, it was that was a tremendous, it was a tremendous fight. Um, you, you, after that, uh, you know, later on, you went to uh, Puerto Rico to uh, defend your title against uh, Wilfredo Benitez, yeah. and you lost a very uh, controversial decision, maybe a, a hometown job. Uh, what are your memories of that fight, and um, what do you think looking back? Do you think you won that fight? Oh yeah, I mean, I you know I've seen the fight over and over because I in my mind that night that day I knew I won the fight. I went back to the corner and Jackie said, "Well, you know it's it's a uh, he said you won the fight, but I don't think we're going to get it here, and, you know because you know I, I was I I you know I I thought I needed a knock. I, I you know I just I just felt like you know to make it to be sure and positive that I was going to come out of there with a win, I needed a knockout and. Uh, it didn't happen. Will Benito is just a great defensive fighter, but I, I just thought I made, I initiated, I made most of the initiation in the fight. I was the one coming forward, and uh, you know I was, I landed a lot of body punches and a lot of you know straight punches, and I just thought I won the fight. But you know, you lose a split decision in his hometown, and you know anywhere else in the world, I would have got that fight. Uh, Benitez reminds me of Mr. Mayweather. He fights, he fought in spurts. Uh, and he, he was hard to hit, and uh, he hit you once or twice, and it looked really good. And then he would <laughs> steal a lot of decisions. I, I I thought it's funny you had a you had a recollection because I felt the same way watching that fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and, 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 and he's a little different than than uh, than Mayweather, but you know, but very close. You know, both of them are those kind of fighters, just uh, uh, def- uh, great def- defensive fighters. Um, um, I don't think I don't think uh, Rafael ran as much. You know, he, uh, Rafael boxed more and tried to stay in range and where he could land some punches himself. But but uh, you know, I put a lot of pressure on him, and I thought I kept him on the ropes uh, at times for a while and, and landing punches. But um, you know, it just didn't just didn't happen. Then I was promised a rematch and never got it. So uh, it was very frustrating. Um, your final fight. At least through your first career, um, yeah. was at Madison Square. Was the uh, Madison Square Garden against the legendary Roberto Duran? It was a tough fight. You lost the decision. Looking back, is there anything you think you could have done differently to change the outcome of the fights? Well, I, I'm not sure. You know, I I, uh, uh, I thought I, I I was in the fight. You know. Um, I don't think it was one of the things that that really surprised me about Durant is how quick he was, uh, and, and uh, his hands and his feet, because uh, I was never really uh, comfortable as far as trying to you know landing combinations uh, on him, um, because he was in and he was out and he uh, using angles and uh, I was very surprised at at, uh, at his defensive skill too, because um, he wasn't easy to hit and so. Uh, I don't know if I could have done anything differently. I, you know, I was ready. I worked hard, like the, like I did for all my fights. I, I thought maybe if the fight had been a little longer, I might have had a chance because uh, I, you know, in most of my 15, 15 round title fights, I, you know, I got stopped just late, late in, in fights. You know, 13, 14, 15 rounds. Uh, so that was my mo. You know, I got slow starts. So a 10 round fight, and I was coming off fighting nine straight. You know. 15 round fights uh, into a 10 rounder, so I, I think I got a little, little bit of a slow start, and and he just hustled me, you know, just about oh, every round, you know. So 
and, and he knew how important that fight that fight that fight was for him. Because uh, uh, if you notice, that after the fight, he dropped to his knees, uh, giving thanks. So um, uh, he was he was worried, and, and I and I felt very comfortable that I had a shot at beating him, but it didn't turn out that way. All right. Um, let me remind everybody: the first half hour of our show is always live. There will be another fifteen minutes. Will be podcast. You can listen to it at the top of the hour. Um, on our football show Thursday, we'll have former Houston Oilers legend Robert Brazil, seven straight Pro Bowls. Um, make sure you tune in at 11 o'clock Eastern time. So we have a caller. You all right with taking a question from a caller? Oh, Carlos? sure, sure. Yeah. All right, Hi, Mike. caller, you there? Um, State I, your name and where you're yes. calling from. Hi, this is um, this is Dave from Massachusetts. Um, nice to talk with you, Mike. Um, nice to talk with you, Joe. And, um it's an honor to speak with you, Carlos. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, so I have I have a two part question. Um, the first the first one is um, you know, was the matchup between you and Pepino Cuevas, given that you were um, you you both held a piece of the, the welterweight title um, over an extended period of time, was that ever a possibility? And secondly. Um, you know, when um, given the time that you retired, you were still young. You were still part of the elite of a very talented welterweight class. Um, why did you make that decision, and um, do you have any regrets around it? Okay, well, uh, as far as the Pino Cuevas uh, is concerned, yeah, um, uh, there was an offer on the on the table when we were maybe. I think I had about four title defenses. He had, he had an, uh, maybe four or five, and an offer a tip for a ten round fight. Came out of the Olympic Auditorium, uh, and they wanted us to fight a ten round fight, and they were offering us a hundred thousand dollars. And you know, man, my manager said, you know, why? You know, this is just wait and fight a world title fight. You know, mm-hmm. both guys are champions. Why are you offering a ten round fight? And and then uh, uh, so then you know he went off and and. and Defended his title. I do. I was doing the same thing, and and actually, my my plan uh, was after I had told my manager that after the Benitez fight, I wanted to unify the title against the Pino Cuevas. You know, and um, you know, unfortunately, I lost that 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 split decision in in Puerto Rico. Didn't get a rematch, and then he fought. He went on to fight uh, Tommy Hearns, and we all know what happened there. So. <laughs> Uh, that never happened, uh, and it was just because of the money that was offered and 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 what and what was offered. Otherwise, it might have happened, you know, later on. Uh, and as far as you know, retiring at you know, I retired at the age of thirty, and that was something that I I planned to do from the beginning. I, I promised my mother that you know, my mother never saw me fight. She didn't like she didn't like the sport. She didn't want me boxing, but she never she never said you know don't do it. She you know, I just I just knew that that was her opinion. But she always supported whatever I did. But uh, I, and I promised her that I would get out at the age of thirty, no matter what, you know, where I was in my career. And and uh, um, as soon as I, you know, as soon as number thirty came up, I retired, and I had and I have no regrets at all of, of having retired at at that age. Dave, you have any other questions? Um. No, great, great answer. I actually, I, I, a lot of guys get out, get out of the game too late, and um, you know, you, you still have, 
you still have a lot going for you when you, you have your faculties intact. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, you're right. And, you know, my, my father being a huge boxing fan, he always told me stories of great Mexican champions and great champions. They were just, you know, punch drunk on the street, homeless, and, and I always thought, well, if I'm going to do this, and that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to get out in time that I can uh, enjoy my life. Well, obviously, you made a very wise decision because we're having this conversation today. So uh, right. definitely, you made the right decision. Um, exactly. I, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to apologize to you for this next question, but it's inevitable. Uh, okay. The Pacquiao Mayweather fight. Hey, hold on, Joe. Uh, real you... quick, Joe. Real yeah. quick. We we have to ask one question now. Okay. Right. Go ahead. A lot of boxers make comebacks, but most of them is not 17 years after their original retirement. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what made you come out of retirement? And actually, I mean, you were pretty successful because I remember I think you beat Rene Arandondo, who used to be a yeah. world champion, and you actually yeah, went the round, distance with Alfredo Rivera. Yeah, yeah first yeah. round knockout. I remember. I think it was on ESPN. I think I remember watching. Yeah, yeah, that fight was on ESPN, right? Well, you know, it was. A, it's kind of. A, it's a long story, so I'll try to make it short. Uh, you know, my father uh, was diagnosed with cancer in. Uh, in 90, 90, 90, 94, and in 1995, he ended up in the hospital. The cancer had spread from his prostate to his to his uh, intestines, and the doctors told him they couldn't do anything for him, so he told us, me and my older brother, he said, take me home, I don't want to die here. So we took him home, and I had a chance to sit with him and, and just reminisce about everything as far as, you know, my life, because he, he made my life pretty difficult when I was a kid and, and growing up. Uh, he was very abusive verbally and physically. And so, you know, I was able to kind of clear the air with him and uh, and realize that, he, you know, he didn't know any better and, you know, he didn't have a father. Father left when he was eight years old. And uh, so, you know, nobody nobody's given a, a, a catalog on how to be a dad or a, or a parent, you know. So, I, you know, I forgave him. I told him that I loved him. And, and I just had this uh, really deep, pain in my heart, you know, so I, I went back to the Westminster Boxing Club and just walked in, and and uh, I felt my dad there so strong, because the time that I was champion was the best time in our lives, you know, because he would come and watch me, you know, work out and spar and uh, and hang out at the gym, so I just started hitting the bags, you know, and working out, and Hector Camacho was sparring at the time, he's getting ready to fight, I think. I think uh, he was getting ready to fight Roberto Duran, and Jesse Reed was his was his trainer at the time. So I asked Jesse if I could spar with with, with Hector. So, you know, my old trainer Noy Cruz and Jackie McCoy were still there at the gym, and they got in the corner and helped me. And I did three rounds, and they told me that if they had been scored, I won all three rounds. So I don't know if they were being biased or what, but. <laughs> Uh, but Hector said, hey, man, come back. You know, that was good. They helped me. You know, you, you're great. So we sparred, you know, a, a few days, and I, I kept going back to the gym just because I just felt good. I, you know, I felt uh, I felt really good uh, in the gym. Uh, then a guy came in with a contract, offered me a million dollars for four fights. And so I sent the contract to my lawyer, and he said, hey, it's good. Sign it if you, if you want to do it. So I said, hey, I'm going to do it. I didn't make a million dollars my whole career. So... Um, signed a contract, you know, had four fights, four straight knockouts, and you know, I didn't get, I didn't get the money. Uh, the guy took off, <laughs> but uh, you know, I got enough of it. But 
Uh, and then the, the fight with Rafael Rivera was offered, and I had seen him fight uh, Oscar De La Hoya, and, you know, I told uh, Bob Aram, who promoted that fight, yeah, I think I can beat this guy. So he took the fight, and, uh, you know, it was a close fight, but I lost the decision. But, you know, before before the fight was even over, I knew I wasn't going to – that was it. That was the end of it. You know, I was – it was like I I uh, I felt I felt healed. I was sitting in the in the stool on the eighth round, and I kept hearing a voice in my head saying, "That's enough," you know. So I think it was my father telling me, "Okay, you know, that's it," <laughs> you know. So yeah, uh, it was an it was an extraordinary experience, you know, doing it at 47 and 48. You know, it's like I made a whole bunch of new fans. I had people at the Olympic Auditorium, fathers with their kids, you know, telling me, you know. I came, I, I watched you when, when I was a kid, you know, and I brought my son to see you and, you know, autographed pictures and, you know, and, and it was just, it was just an amazing night, you know, and I, and I, I healed and, um, you know, I don't regret it. I had, a, I had a great time and, uh, and, and, you know, it was a special time for me. Well, hopefully our listeners, uh, for the, if the few that may not remember you, I, I'm going to encourage everyone to go to YouTube, look up Carlos Palomino. He was a tremendous fighter, and uh, you can make real arguments about how he would have done against today's guys, which brings me to my question. Uh, Pacquiao Mayweather, I know most people watched it. Did you watch it? And what did you think? Uh, yeah, 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 I watched it well. You know, I, I actually, I actually gave uh, Manny a, a better a, a chance of winning the fight when I, I did a couple of interviews before, and I thought he had a shot, you know, because of his movement, his hand speed, and uh, foot speed. But you know, Mayweather did what he does. You know, he, that's that's his thing. You know, he he, he makes you miss. He holds you. He he, he hits you, and uh, um, that's his fight. You know, it's. it's I don't know why so many people were were so upset about. Well, I mean, I understand, you know, the the, the injury that that what happened that, that we found out about after the fight. But uh, I don't understand why people were upset about the fact that it wasn't a very exciting fight. The Formula Weather doesn't give exciting fights, you know. That's mm-hmm. just style. And, and and throughout history, you know, guys who fight like like Mayweather have always been like that. You know, people when you. You talk to people and you talk about those kind of fighters. They always say, "Oh, they stayed the joint out," because <laughs> you know they're just uh, they're not exciting fights. But but he's a tremendous fighter, boxer, uh, who who is very evasive and you know he's a hard guy to fight. And and guys like that will give a lot of guys trouble. You know, I mean, I, I mean the only fight that I've seen where I thought he lost was Jose Luis Castillo. And uh, as a lightweight, and Garcia just put tremendous amount of pressure on on him, and threw a lot of punches. And that's what you have to do with Mayweather. You have to pressure him. You have to throw. You have to be in condition to throw punches nonstop, and you have to be able to keep him on the ropes and 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 and, and make him fight your fight. Otherwise, you you know you're lost. You're lost looking for him in the ring. All right, that brings me to my next question. How do you think that yourself? Roberto Duran, Wilfred Benitez, how do you think they would have fared against Floyd Mayweather? Well, you know, I, I always tell people I don't think that, you know, I don't think that Floyd in the in the seventies or or eighties, you know, would have would have made it too well to it. You know, he can you know, that's that's the difference between the fighters, this this guy, this whole crop fighting right now as welterweights, Manny Pacquiao, you know, uh Broner, all these guys have moved up from smaller weight divisions. So you don't have natural yeah, you don't have 
I mean, Floyd was a featherweight when he was uh, young, younger, before he went to, you know, uh, 135. And, you know, so you don't have natural welterweights, bigger guys who are bigger bone, who take a better punch, who punch harder. You don't have those kind of guys. And when and when Manny and Floyd have fought bigger guys, they made them fight them at, at catch weights. Yeah. So, you know, so you know, I I, I don't I, I just don't believe that that, that uh, they would have made it to one forty seven. Uh, I, I mean, and if if I if I had to fight him, you know, I I would be uh, a vicious body attack on my part. You know, keep him on the ropes and just I mean, he has that perfect shoulder roll to get away from the right hand, but he doesn't have anything on the left side to to, to block to stop the left hook to the liver or to the head. You know, uh, and that's where I would go. You know, and I would, uh, you know, I would stay down there. You know, I would hit him in the arms. I hit him in the shoulders. I hit him everywhere on the other side where he's not able to to do that that uh, offensive maneuver that he does when he when he rolls uh, the shoulder, and and it's almost impossible to hit him with right hands. So that you know, that's that's my that's that's my two cents on on that. <laughs> Well, who are the fighters the you like to like... watch that are fighting today? Hello, pardon me. I said, who are the fighter? Who are some of the guys that you like to watch today? Oh, you know, I, I used to. I mean, I love uh, Montequianopolis. You know, I, I, in my opinion, Montequia, Jose Montequianopolis is one of the best welterweights in history. Uh, the guy was just an amazing fighter. You know, I got to spot with him uh, as a young amateur, learned a, a great lesson. Uh, and he he was just you know he was he was Montequilla he was butter he was that smooth, <laughs> uh, you know and I like Ruben Olivares you know I uh, I love to watch Bobby Chacon back you know uh, when he was in his prime and in the little Red Lopez you know and you know and then you know as uh, when I got out of the game in the eighties you know I, I I watched Durant I watched Tommy Hearns Marvin Hagler was one of my favorites uh, you know. Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, I watch all those guys. You know, I, I mean, I'm a fight fan, so um, you know, I like to watch good fights, and, and those guys were, the, you know, the cream of the crop. Come after you know, that, I watched after I retired. How about today? Any all fights right, well, today you like? Well, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I like Manny. I like Manny all on all, all these fights on the way up. You know, from the fights with Barrera, with all those guys coming up from 106 all the way up. Uh, you know, I, I I like watching. I like Oscar. You know, I like this kid Garcia from Oxnard. Uh, um, so you want to see a little corals. There's there's some a couple other guys I can't think of their names right now. But uh, you know, I like Shane Mosley. I like watching uh, watching Shane. Uh, um, you know, it's a uh, yeah. So you know, these are top names uh, that uh, you know who, who are special kind of guys in the ring. Well, Carlos, once again, it was an honor to have you on our show. Uh, we're running out of time. we got like a minute or two left. Um, I mean, really, this is a complete honor. Like I said, I grew up with my dad telling me stories of you when you fought amateurs. I grew up sitting oh, on a wow. couch right next to my dad watching the fights. And, I mean, my dad passed away a couple years ago, and the one thing I always remembered was you know, him taking me to a Reds game or a Bengals game. Or sitting around watching the fights, and I mean, it's truly been an honor to talk to you, Joe. Well, thank you very much, and and thank you for having me. I mean, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, so, Joe, uh, you got any Champ, final words? We, we, yeah, we have maybe a, a few seconds left. What are you up to today? Well, I actually uh, 
I'm glad you asked because I, I just sold the rights to uh, to my life story. So we're in the process of of doing a, a movie called Palomino. Cool. And so I'm that gonna uh, I'm I'm involved in, in in the whole process. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna produce and and possibly act in it too because I you know I've been acting uh, for quite a while now. Uh, so. Um, I'm very excited about that project, and it just tells my story from from back in uh, uh, you know growing up in Sonora all the way up to coming to the United States, and you know it has something to do with you know because my father my father suffered a lot, and he moved us to Tijuana uh, so he could immigrate the family legally to the United States, and it took three years, and those three years were really rough on him and and on us, and as a family uh, living in the you know. Um, in poverty in, in, in Tijuana, uh, and we, you know, I was as a kid, I was out shining shoes in the streets uh, to, so we could eat. So yeah, it, you know, so it, it's a uh, it's an uplifting story, and hopefully people will like it. Hey, champ! Once again, anytime you want to come on the show, you're more than welcome. When the movie comes out, if you want to come on and plug it, we'd love to have you. Oh, I'd love to do that. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot. All right. Bye bye. All right. Hey, guys, remember, 